Switch over to this. Okay, this one will work. There we go. Uh, at this time, all those kids who are headed to our Covenant Kids worship may be dismissed. As always, kids are welcome to stay with us in our service. It's for kids four years old through first or second grade, they're welcome to participate in that, if that would be helpful for them and for you. This morning, we will be in the uh, book of Revelation and in the book of John. Revelation, the gospel of John will be in Revelation 1, 17 through 18, and John eleven twenty five. But before we get to our text this morning, as I was preparing this morning, I looked out my window at home and guess what I saw? Snow falling. And I had two thoughts. First, I was really glad that we don't have an outdoor Easter sunrise service. I was really glad this morning that we were not outside freezing, shivering, celebrating the resurrection. The second thing that brought to mind was the land of Narnia, the land that Edmund, Lucy, Susan, and Peter find their way into through a magical wardrobe in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. When they stumble through this magical wardrobe, they find they're in a land with, in perpetual winter, under the control of the evil white witch. And perpetual winter is the personification of evil because it's winter all the time, but Christmas never comes. And yet, we find that there is a creature named Aslan, the great lion who is on the move and will lay down his life if the white witch will release Edmund. And through the sacrifice of Aslan, Edmund is released and Aslan dies dead on the altar. But death can't hold Aslan, and he rises from the dead, and with his resurrection, the effects of perpetual winter begin to be pushed back. And the spring of new life begins to bring new life to Narnia as snow begins to melt away. As I thought of the snow falling this morning in Narnia, I was reminded that while it is crazy to see snow on April 17th, what I was seeing outside my window was a reminder of the resurrection we celebrate today. Like the fl final flurries of winter, death swirls around us, and yet the resurrection of Jesus shows us, reminds us that death has no power. It is merely swirling around us like the snow flurries this morning. It is being pushed back. It is melting away as the power of the resurrection of Jesus radiates out from the empty tomb. As, Jesus reminds, as Lewis reminds us in the image of Aslan, Jesus died as a ransom for all who were under the curse, under control of the evil one, under the power of sin and death. Jesus died to live, that the curse would be no more, and all those under the power of Satan, sin, and death would be released to new life. Let's read from... Revelation 1, 17 through 18, and John eleven twenty five, 25. And here, once again, the promise of the resurrection 
First John eleven twenty five. We read these words of Jesus speaking to Martha, the sister of Lazarus, who lies dead in the tomb. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then, going back to Revelation 1, 17 through 18. This is the Apostle John writing of an experience he had on the island of Patmos on the Lord's Day coming face to face with the risen Christ Jesus. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you for the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray that once again you would give us new eyes to see, new ears to hear of the hope, of the grace, of the mercy, of the life that you have given us in Jesus Christ. We pray this. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this past week, we had our Monday Thursday service. That's a service where we remember the last night of Jesus' life, where he institutes the Lord's Supper with his disciples. And we were in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17. We saw that Jesus lived to die. Like, his mission was to die. His mission wasn't to be a miracle worker, as awesome and great as that was, to feed people, to walk on the water, to turn water into wine, to keep the party going, all these things that were miraculous, to to heal, to even raise the dead, to cast out evil spirits. As wonderful as that was, that was not his mission. His mission wasn't to be a great teacher. As great a teacher as he was, people today who still do not believe that Jesus was the Son of God see his teaching as helpful and good and right. And yet Jesus' main mission was not to be a great teacher, as powerful as a teacher as he was. And his teachings continue to be. His mission wasn't to be an example of how to live a life of peace and love though it certainly was that. He lived the life that we are to live, a life at peace with others, a life of love. And we should surely follow that example, but that wasn't his mission. His mission was to live to die. His mission was to save sinners. He says over and over and over again, which he did by dying on the cross for our sins. And yet the story doesn't end there because if it ended there, it would be a very sad story. 
Sure, it would be a beautiful story of someone dying for someone else. But on this Easter Sunday or Resurrection Day, we come to the Word of God to give us renewed peace, hope, love, and the promises of Jesus Christ, which first and foremost is that He is the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? You see, because in the Gospel of John, when he responds to Martha's cry out to him that if you were here, my brother would not have died. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. And then he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And you might be thinking, well, of course I believe this. I'm here in church on Easter morning. I'd say, well, great. That's good. But maybe you're here and you're like the father of the boy who was possessed by an evil spirit that Jesus encountered in the Gospel of Mark, who came to Jesus desperate because he saw his son being cast into water to die, to be cast in the fire to die. He was desperate, and he came to Jesus so that Jesus would cast out the demon. And Jesus asks him if he believed. And the man responded, I believe. Help my unbelief. Maybe that's you today. Maybe somewhere deep down, I believe. But man, there's a lot of days that I have unbelief. Jesus, help my unbelief. Or maybe you want to believe, but you have questions that need to be answered first. You have a list of these things that have to be answered in order for you to believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Or maybe you're here and you're a straight-up skeptic, and you're not sure why you're here. Maybe somebody dragged you. Maybe somebody made you. They're like, well, if you come to church with me, I'll, I'll make Easter dinner for you or something like that. You know, you feel, felt compelled to be here. Wherever you find yourself this morning, the question that Jesus asks is for all of us, convinced, skeptic, and everywhere in between. Do you believe this? And your answer to this question and what Jesus says is literally a matter of life and death. Do you believe this? In our text today, we want to help all of us, no matter where we find ourselves on that continuum, no matter how we find ourselves answering that question, and we want to see that Jesus died to live, that we might never die. You see, we don't gather this morning merely to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, though that is an awesome and wonderful thing that we gather to celebrate. We celebrate, yes, the resurrection of God incarnate, Jesus Christ. We come and we sing these great hymns and these great songs, and we celebrate that God and Jesus Christ has conquered Satan, sin, and death. But we don't merely come 
to celebrate the resurrection of one man. We come because we celebrate the resurrection of all who would believe in him. Right? That's really good news. Hey, it's, it's good news that one person rose from the dead because it's like, oh, maybe there's a chance. <laughs> but Jesus says it's not just a chance. It's a promise if you believe in me. I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, do you believe this? John, do you believe this? Fill your name in there. Do you believe this? Jesus died to live that we may never die. First, we see that he died to live. We see that in Revelation 1, verse 18. Right? He says to the apostle John, the living one, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. He lived, he died to live. Jesus died. He identifies himself to John by saying that he died. He died to give us life, right? We understand the concept of someone dying for the life of another. I mean, we read stories of people protecting a loved one, right? They, they give up themselves, they give up their life for the, lo- for the life of another, maybe from a, a bullet or a speeding car or from a rushing river. They sacrifice themselves that someone else might live. We also see this lived out in medicine, someone needing a transplant of a vital organ to live. But in for order for them to live, someone else must die. And as sacrificial as those stories are, they aren't the ultimate sacrifice. The one who has been saved will still die. Right? The one who has been saved will still die. But Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, once for all sacrifice for the sin of the world, for the sin of you and me, for all who trust in him. The glorious good news is that all those who trust in Jesus have their sins forgiven, have the hope of the resurrection because he is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Jesus died not only that he might live, but that we all might live together. Behold, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. He is the one, right? He is the one. He, the incarnate God, the incarnate Word became man. He was the first and the last. He was from the beginning. He's past the end. He is the incarnate, and he died and rose as the living one. He is the power over death and the realm of the dead. He holds the keys. He's the master of death and the realm of the dead. He has opened the doors of eternal life of the eternal kingdom of God. He is the one who has control over the locks. He has control over the doors. 
He has opened the doors to eternal life, and He's the one who has the power over death and the realm of the dead. He is the one who died to live, not merely for His own sake, but for the sake of the world, for you and for me, for His people, that we may never die. He died to live, that we may never die. We see this in Revelation 17 and in John 11:25. In 11:25 he says, "I am the resurrection. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Even if physical bodily death happens, you still live," Jesus says, "because I am the resurrection and the life." He says it is faith in him that brings one back to life at the resurrection at the last day. He is the ground of the final hope, the eschatological hope. He's the ground of that final hope that we have. And he goes even further. I am the resurrection, he says, but I am also the life. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. The life that comes through Jesus is not interrupted by physical death. Even though the body may die, Jesus says, your life continues on in me. And in the resurrection on the last day, your body will be made new. I am the resurrection and the life. How can this be? <laughs> how, how can this happen? How can it be that Jesus lived to die that we may never die? He answers this question in, in, in verse 17. He says, I am the first and the last. It's the same declaration that, that God the Father makes, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. There is none before me. There comes none after me. I am the one who is over all things. I was there when everything started. I'll be there when everything ends, and I will be there with you through eternity. I am the first and the last, and the first and the last became one of us. He was before all things and after all things. He is the one, the eternal one, who became man. Westcott said, by taking humanity into himself, he has revealed the permanence of man's individuality and being, but this permanence can be found only in union with him. Thus, two main thoughts are laid down. Life, resurrection is present, and this life is in a person. Right? This life is in the person of Jesus Christ, the one who became like us, the infinite one, the eternal one who became like us. And so because he was the infinite and eternal one, the first and the last, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, who came and was like us and still is in his human form, though, it has been trans though he has been transformed we read earlier that John sees him and he's terrified at the sight of this resurrected Jesus. And yet, Jesus says, do not fear. 
right? And and how does he how does he comfort him in his in his speaking of do not fear? Right? This isn't some mythical creature or being. This is Jesus Christ, the resurrected one in his resurrected body, still possessing his humanity and his eternal dominion as God. What does he do? And this is important for us to realize that the risen, exalted Jesus is still in his human form because our humanity has been Saved, our humanity has been resurrected to new life. He touches me, John says, with his right hand. Right? He's not some mystical blob, he's not some mystical creature. He is a person that John can identify his right and his left, and he reaches out his right hand and he touches John with his right hand is the right hand of our great high priest who possessed infinite tenderness, who touched and healed all of our infirmities, is the touch of the mysterious, that the one who spoke the earth into being and trembles at his voice, that touches the mountains and they smoke, as the psalmist says is the touch of the omnipotent. It was the saving strength of his right hand, the psalmist says, that brought the people of, of Israel out of Egypt. There is majesty in this touch. It was the touch of the hand that he lifts up to heaven and says, I live forever. There is mercy in his touch. There is comfort in his touch. There was infinite love in this mysterious act. It was not a heavy blow. It was not a snap out of, out of it. It was a kind and gentle touch that showed John and us this is the resurrected Christ, the one who lived and died and rose again. And when he touches John, he says, do not fear. Do not fear. Yes, do not fear me as in my resurrected body. But what is Jesus also saying when he says to John, do not fear? He says, do not fear, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus is saying, do not fear, because who I am relieves, takes away, destroys all that you fear, John. Is it your sin you fear? John, I died for your sin. Is it desertion you fear, John? I am with you always. I will never leave you 
or forsake you? Is it temptations you fear, John? Come to me. Cast your burdens upon me. I will take them from you. I will walk with you and be with you and help you flee from your temptations. Is it death you fear, John? John, I am the living one. I am the one who lives forevermore. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this, John? Death is no more to fear. Do you fear hell? Jesus says, I have the keys. I have the keys. That door is locked. If you believe in me, there is no fear of that door. Do not fear. I am alive forevermore. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And not just his resurrection, but the promise of the resurrection for all those who believe in him. And we celebrate today that we do not fear because Jesus places his resurrected hand, the hand that is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. It says, do not fear. The resurrection of Jesus is the proof that death does not have the final say. Death does not have the final say because guess what? Jesus does. Jesus died to live that we may never die. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your Son, Jesus, our Savior, the one who died to live, that we may never die. Lord, the one who reaches down with his hand and touches us and says, do not fear. Lord, I pray that whatever it is that we might fear this day, we'd hear the words of Jesus, know his touch on our shoulder with his right hand, the one that is strong and mighty, yet tender and loving, and says, do not fear. Lord, may we have renewed hope this day that Jesus died to live, that we may never die, and that we may not fear even death itself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.